Kia ora and hello, my name is Tom. My message today is a simple teaching, at least I think it is, and it's about the nature of discipleship and how that relates to the world and to what I'm going to call the world beyond the world. I'm reading from Luke chapter 10 verses 38 to 42. This is a passage where Jesus comes to visit the two sisters, Martha and Mary. This is a passage that I've always found to be lively, with a great sense of power and hope about it. I think the, the first time I ever heard it or read it, it always sounded to me like an invitation, as though it was providing something of a pathway for growing deeper in faith. If you're familiar with this passage, it may be that you resonate with me on that one. But it also might be that you've had quite a different feeling about this. It's often been seen as like a conflict between the contemplative life and the activist life. But I don't think that that's the main point of it. And I don't really think there should be a division between those two paths either. You might also listen to the teaching and think that poor old Martha gets a bad rap here. And it's pretty easy to sympathize with her. Obviously, her behavior makes complete sense in the situation. She is trying to walk the path of service and hospitality, generosity. And those things, of course, are important and we have to pay attention to them. But to me, as I've engaged this scripture, those do not seem to be the main direction of what Jesus is teaching. All those things seem to be like the side notes. They're important, but they're not the main thing, not at this moment. So then, what is the main thing? Well, this is a passage about what it means to be a disciple. So let me read it and we'll think through it together. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he said. But Martha was distracted with all the preparations she had to make. So she came up to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the best part. It will not be taken away from her. Okay then, so this is a story of two sisters. One sister becomes a host, one sister becomes a disciple. Martha the host fulfills the responsibilities of the host, Mary, who is the disciple, fulfills the responsibilities of a disciple. And without casting the slightest negative shadow on the path of hospitality, Jesus shows that the path of discipleship invites a reordering of our priorities so that we can receive the spiritual sustenance we need and so we may be free for the new world Jesus is bringing. So let me have a go at illustrating this. Here's the first point. Discipleship means sitting at the feet of Jesus, even when this creates conflict with social norms and peer pressure. So Mary is a disciple who sits at the feet of Jesus. This is what disciples do. Actually, this is a 
technical description. Remember, Jesus is a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi, and rabbis have disciples. And a disciple is someone who is learning the way of the master, who has committed themselves to that process, which is first learning and then continuing along that rabbit, rabbinic tradition. To see this phrase in action elsewhere, check out as an example two chapters earlier in Luke 8.25. They found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet. Or later on in Acts 22. And by the way, Acts of the Apostles is a continuation of the Gospel of Luke. When Paul is defending himself against a riotous crowd in Jerusalem, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus and Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel. Sitting at the feet is a technical description of how disciples behave in the presence of the rabbi with whom they're apprenticing. And to understand what this passage means, we have to pay attention to that. So Mary is a disciple of Jesus. She is focused on the Lord. She's giving him the singular gift of her full attention. And she is demonstrating a posture of heart, mind, body, soul, openness to Jesus, complete dedication. Mary is showing us how we must be as disciples if we are to apprentice ourselves to the rabbi Jesus. And to do that, Mary has put aside the social pressure to conform and obey in the situation she's in. Her sister is hosting a revered guest. The expectation upon Mary is that the least she could do is lend a hand in the kitchen. But by embracing her role as a disciple, she has shown courage and strength. And the burden of social pressure now has no hold on her. And Martha has become so frustrated with the strain of what she is carrying that she resorts to giving a public reprimand to her sister. And along with it, a demand that Jesus intervene in this situation. Which, by the way, is a move I cannot help but admire. Amazingly, Jesus backs Mary up on this one. And here's the reason. Jesus has come teaching and proclaiming the kingdom of God. He is gathering and training disciples to himself. Both women, both men, to apprentice them and the practice and the vision of this upside down world. The road less traveled. This passage shows us that Jesus' main concern is to leave behind disciples. That's the strategy at the heart of his mission. And this is exactly why he backs up Mary. She has aligned herself with Jesus and has made her life available to the purposes of God. For every person, following Jesus requires change at many points. This is a big part of the meaning of the biblical word repentance. We must relinquish things we hold dear, let ourselves change, take up new habits of heart, new patterns of behavior, over and above the social roles and identities that we have previously had in the first place in our lives. Mary is letting go and saying no to the expectation upon her, first and foremost to fulfill the social role of sister to the host. Instead, she's picked up a new identity as one who sits at the feet of the Lord. That is a radical transformation of identity and purpose. Following Jesus means just that for us. And this is also what we get to invite other people into. And while change of that magnitude may seem scary, it's actually 
good news because we can change, it's totally possible, and it's also change for the good. Change of this kind is God's good intention for us in Christ. And all of that is the meaning of the saying in an earlier part of the Gospel, Luke chapter 9. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. So we've seen that Mary choosing to sit at the feet of Jesus shows that she is choosing the path of discipleship before all other calls placed upon her. So next up, let's go to the second point, which is that discipleship begins with spiritual sustenance. What I mean by that is that there is like a spring of life that a disciple needs to drink from. Disciples need this spring of life. It provides the strength needed for every other aspect of life. It is the spiritual sustenance of the kind only Jesus can give. The spring of life is his teaching and his presence and his power. So Mary has chosen well. She has chosen that which is most necessary and urgent for her. It's what she needs. This is just what Jesus is speaking about in his encounter with the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. Those who drink of the water that I give them, he says, will never be thirsty. The water that I give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. This is the water to quench all thirst. It's the water that quenches the dry ground of our lives. This water allows new God stories to bloom. Actually, this whole concept gives a better and deeper meaning to the idea of a liquid lunch. So, with all of that emphasis on spiritual thirst and satisfaction, it means that even the necessities of food, which are obviously so important, and also the social expectations of hospitality in the Middle Eastern context that this story is taking place in, that these are secondary issues to the path that's being shown here. Becoming a disciple and receiving the spiritual nourishment that Jesus gives are being put right at the center, held up right in front of our eyes. And by the way, I'm sure Jesus was hungry. There's no doubt he was looking forward to an amazing meal. You bet he was grateful when they did share food at the table. And Martha was probably an amazing cook. But even so, Jesus knows we do not live of food alone. He's done his 40 days in the desert. And do you remember his rebuke of Satan during the temptations? One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. But when we say yes to the presence and call of Jesus, just as Mary did by sitting at the feet and listening, we're embracing the key opportunity of the moment and these opportunities to embrace the ways of God can be easily missed. God is calling us each to listen to him now, on this day, in this place, at this time. And God is always here for us, ready for us. He's active and alive in this world. But the moments and times of our lives just keep on moving. And we have to pay attention and keep our eyes open. Because this is the calling of a lifetime. And Jesus is calling us again and again to say yes. And so when Jesus calls, what do you say? And what Mary is doing is saying yes to the spiritual nourishment that's on tap before her. It's a wise move. This is not 
totally dissimilar to the instruction we received on a plane before we commence takeoff. Please put on your oxygen mask first. And there is nothing about the life of a disciple that is selfish. It's by definition the opposite of that. As you can see in biblical language like laying your life down or dying and rising with Christ. The whole history of God's people Israel began with the covenant call to Abraham whose descendants were to be a blessing to the nations. And this is the pathway that Jesus himself is walking in and bringing to fruition. Discipleship in the name of Jesus has an end goal that is the blessing of the nations to the glory of God. But the spiritual life doesn't come out of nowhere. It has to be received. And to receive it, we have to go to the source, which is exactly what Mary is doing. Mary is captivated by Jesus. She's thirsty for him. So she sits at his feet to listen and to soak it up. Jesus is like a waterfall of life. And this is a once in a lifetime experience. Her soul needs to fill up. When you're in a desert, and so much of life can be experienced as something like a spiritual desert, then when you finally arrive at an oasis, you drink and you make a camp and you seek replenishment of body and soul so that you're prepared for the next league of the journey. And this spiritual sustenance is the headwaters of the life of any disciple. All the power and all the life that we have comes directly from Jesus, who is the source of it all. And through him and in the power of the Holy Spirit, every other aspect of our discipleship flows outwardly for the blessing of all the earth in line with the will of God. So we've looked at how this passage is about discipleship and how discipleship starts being nourished by God. So let's move on to the third point, which is that there is a bigger picture, an end game that we need to understand. There is something going on here in this encounter between Jesus, Martha, and Mary. That something is about the presence of the kingdom of God. It's about an opportunity to go a little further into this world beyond the world that Jesus has come to open a doorway to. We've seen that Mary seems to have a taste and a grasp of this strange new world. But what about Martha? Well, Jesus responds kindly to Martha, his friend. He talks to her and he explains the reverse gravitational effect that he has brought into her household. Things seem to turn upside down when he is around and she is a first-hand witness to it. There's something bigger going on here that Martha hasn't yet grasped and it seems like Jesus wants to open her to that if he can. So he shows empathy and understanding about Martha's distress. And her distress is fully understandable. You can imagine the frustration that she feels. But Jesus recasts her troubles, reframes them against a bigger backdrop. That there is this new world of God's kingdom that he has come proclaiming. And what he says is that, Martha, Martha. You're anxious and troubled for many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the best part, and it will not be taken away from her. Just one thing. One thing needed. Mary has chosen the one single thing 
singleness of heart, oneness of soul. She's chosen her direction. She's pointing herself toward Jesus. She has made herself available to Jesus. The waterfall's cascading through her life and its flow will not be dammed up. Jesus is not teaching Martha that her gifts aren't needed. He is teaching her that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God, the true source of our hospitality is God's hospitality to us. He's inviting her to take a step back and recognize a higher call upon her, which will positively impact the whole of her life and being. He's inviting her to see through a new lens and to follow in the footsteps of her younger sister Mary by letting Jesus set the agenda and letting Jesus provide the food. This is just a short passage and it's similar in a way to the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15 because by the time we get to the end of it, we actually don't know what happens next. In that parable, the older brother is left standing outside the party and we don't know whether he chooses to join in or not. It's the same here. We're left sort of hanging. What does Mary, sorry, what does Martha do in response to Jesus? And the perspective of the kaleidoscope that is the prodigal son story, there's so much going on there, it's crazy. We get to see ourselves invited at the end to stand in the shoes of the elder son, standing outside the party, and we have a choice. Do we acknowledge the gap between where we're at and the disruptive grace of God and actually just go and join the party? Or do we stay out in the cold, stuck in our resentment? I wonder if an element of this encounter between Martha and Jesus remains an invitation for us as well. Will we choose the one way and the best part that Mary has chosen? Will we join her by sitting at the feet of the Lord and embracing this grace-rich life of discipleship? Because as Jesus is showing us, there's a much bigger question being asked here than what Martha is asking. We are made for more than simply to conform to the various internal and external pressures and expectations that get placed upon our lives. We are to surrender our lives to Jesus. And we are meant to live for more than just the nourishment of the body and for material satisfaction. We are wired from the beginning to find our primary satisfaction in the quenching of our deepest thirst through the life and presence of Jesus. And we are not called to lose ourselves in the anxieties and turbulences of the moment and of the day, of which there are many. Instead, we are each invited to embrace the much bigger backdrop of the kingdom of heaven. Each moment we live in is soaked with potency and the kingdom of God is breaking in all around us. We are made for these moments and the spirit of Jesus is inviting us to go deeper. So let me summarize all of that. Discipleship means sitting at the feet of Jesus, even when this creates a conflict with social norms and peer pressure. Mary demonstrates the priorities and focus of a disciple. Discipleship begins with spiritual sustenance, and this is the spring of life from which every other aspect of our life must flow. Mary satisfies her deepest thirst with the nourishment that Jesus offers. And this is also about the kingdom of God and the opportunity to go further into this world beyond the world. 
like it does for both Mary and Martha, the choice lies before each one of us. How do we respond to the invitation, this invitation to live for a truer and deeper world? So in this year of disruption, uncertainty and worldwide turbulence, may you, like Mary, be a person with oneness of heart, sitting and receiving at the foot of the rabbi. Jesus came forming disciples, healing, proclaiming the kingdom. Against the backdrop of carnage and the horror of war in our world, I would make the case that to walk along this path and to lift up the name of Jesus is in fact the wellspring of resistance and hope. And it is exactly what we mean at Student Soul with the saying that in a world like ours, on a day like this, it's time to awaken to your creative power. Because when we say yes to Jesus, it starts an inner transformation that changes the course of life for the better. And the mission of the people of God is to participate in God's blessing of the earth. And the hope of God's people is that Jesus would return and usher in a new heaven and a new earth. And the reality of that hope is that in Christ, death has no dominion any longer. And there will be a day where there are no more tears and no more pain, and where there is feasting and joy. And with a mission and a hope marked by those things, you have to realize that we are not just playing little games here with this talk of discipleship and the water of life. Jesus is the real deal. And the pathways out of our deepest problems find a beginning place in Jesus. So may you be captivated by Jesus. May you be eager to drink. May you have your thirst satisfied. May you learn and grow and experience your life filling up with light, your world overflowing with love. God bless you in the name of Christ. May you know the power of his love and the strength of his spirit in your very own life. <laughs>